Thanks for tuning in to the inaugural Joe Gibbs Sportscast. As you probably could have guessed, I'm Joe Gibbs. Uh, just a quick bit about myself. I'm originally from upstate New York. I've been here in Jacksonville, Florida now for about four years. I attended Alfred University, which is a little bit south of Rochester, pretty small school. Uh, and I played some lacrosse there for four years and actually had a brief stint of football there as well. I grew up watching football. Uh, naturally from upstate New York, definitely a Bills fan. Uh, they're definitely my team, but of course we'll try to keep that objective as possible when we're going to be talking about uh, the NFL this week. Uh, any other questions for me, send me a message on Twitter if you'd like. The Twitter handle will be at JG Sportscast. Again, JG Sportscast. What you're going to hear from me in this first podcast is going to be a variety of segments, uh, mostly NFL Week 1 related, uh, some fantasy information, some tips for that. I'll have some eliminator picks for you as well as the picks for the week and some predictions going forward. So just to give you a heads up as to what we'd be looking at in terms of like an overall summary for what you're finding this today. The first segment I'd like to get into is something that I'll call the locks of the week. Really what's going to go on with this segment is something I believe, like a situation or a statistic, I believe you will definitely see week one. Think along the lines of, say, an Andy Reid mismanaging the clock on a two-minute drill. This is something that should happen during the week if the situation comes up. My first lock is going to be that there's going to be an extra point missed on week one. Uh, It's really more of a law of averages thing. Before they moved the extra point back 15 yards, which essentially made it about a 42-yard field goal, uh, Added about a 99% clip, these guys were hitting these extra points. Naturally, when you move it back to that range, the percentage is going to go down. When you're in a little over the 90% range, naturally that that will allow for some missed kicks on any given week. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen every week, but at least at first, they got to have something to talk about. You're going to have some kickers that are nervous. That should happen week one. Somebody, not going to say who, because that's you really never know what can happen for that. But... Uh, that, that'll definitely happen on week one. You'll see a missed kick on the extra point. My second lock of the week is going to get a little bit more specific. I believe Seattle is going to hold St. Louis's running backs under 100 yards rushing. Uh, I know Cam Chancellor is going to be out this week. He's still having a tough time with a holdout, I guess. He hasn't reported. Pete Carroll really isn't saying that. He's going to be playing, so he's going to have his replacement. So I'm uh, at the same time, I still think Seattle's front seven is going to step up to the plate and really kind of limit what uh, St. Louis is going to be able to do to run the ball. Trey Mason should be the feature back here. He's kind of a smaller guy, so I don't see how he's going to match up very well against that Seahawks defense because they're so physical all the time. Uh, Bobby Wagner's still there. He can still chase him down. He's got really good speed. So even with Trey Mason's speed, I, I really just don't see him getting to the outside enough and really breaking loose for a lot of big runs. So those are going to be my two main locks of the week. You will see a missed extra point from somebody week one, and Seattle will hold St. Louis's running backs to 100 yards rushing or less. Next up, we're going to be looking for some bold predictions. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you see some bold predictions, say, uh, on the C- CBS or, or Fox pregames, they'll do some bold predictions that really don't always seem so bold. I mean, they'll give you something, and they, they call each other out with it, too, so it's not like they're completely unaware of it. But I just want to make sure. I hope these, you know, these predictions are going to be bold enough for you guys. First off, I want to say that Drew Brees is going to throw for under 225 yards. He's only going to score one touchdown passing. They're playing the Cardinals this week. I really just think that the Cardinals defense under Bruce Arians is extremely solid. Uh, Losing Crow 
Antonio Cromartie hurts in the defensive backfield there, but not as much as you might think. They still got a lot of talent back there naturally with with the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson. So I think they'll hold up just fine even with their departures there. The Saints aren't very far from a losing campaign in the worst division in football. They even beyond that loss, they're at their two of their best assets with Kenny Stills and Jimmy Graham. CJ Spiller's not going to play Week One. He's still got something going on. Uh, it's somewhere I'd say there is near his ankle. Sean Payton had ruled him out, so I just don't really see. With they don't have a, the greatest running attack. I mean, I know Mark Ingram there is healthy. He's going to be their main guy there. Uh, I think that's what they're actually going to focus on. I just don't see them taking a ton of chances with Brandon Cooks really being their main option there. Uh, and Colston's kind of almost been an afterthought in that offense lately. They usually spread the ball around pretty well, but they just don't have the talent to give Drew Brees a lot of what he usually had done in the past. Uh, The next one after that, what I'm going to have to go with for this bold prediction, I really think Blake Bortles is going to throw for over 250 and score three touchdowns. I'm definitely bullish on Bortles this year, as well as the Jaguars. And when I say bullish, I just think they're going to exceed what they've done in the past. Uh, I really think he looked great in the preseason. I know that's not really as good of a barometer because you're not really getting as much as a live look as you would hope to get in the preseason, but he, he's been really throwing the ball extremely well. Uh, even if you know their defense doesn't hold up, they go down, he's going to have to throw the ball and come back into the game. Really, they're playing Carolina, who doesn't have much of an offense at all. At this point, you're trying to run the ball with Jonathan Stewart, who, when he's healthy, is one of the better running backs in, in the league. At the same time, you never really know what you're going to get out of him. They have almost no receivers left. After Kelvin Benjamin's injury, I just think they're going to have to take a lot of risks overall on defense to kind of make up for this. So if Blake Bortles can extend the play and kind of look like what we thought he was going to be in potentially uh, young Ben Roethlisberger and see really if he can extend the play uh, any anywhere near what Ben was able to do early in his career, I think he can be successful and definitely put up some major points in fantasy. I think later in the year we might actually be looking at him as a viable option because he can move in the pocket and actually get you some rushing yards too. So definitely look for that as your two bold predictions with Drew Brees throwing for under 225 with only one touchdown and Blake Bortles going over 250 with three touchdowns. On the next part where we're going to look at a little bit more fantasy here, I'll call this one our fantasy feast and famine. Really going to look at two matchups that are very beneficial to one group and may hinder the other on the famine. My fantasy feast this week is definitely going to be our Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers are going to have a fantasy feast. I mean, Atlanta had the worst pass defense in the league last year. As much as Dan Quinn is probably going to make some difference there, I don't think they'll finish completely dead last again, but I don't see them climbing up to somewhere that's that respectable right away. Uh, you'll see Chip Kelly's offense is really built to terrorize opposing secondaries, especially with Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Matthews, Josh Hoff. They're really going to have the opportunity to put up some big numbers there. So if you got one of your Philly wide receivers, you're kind of unsure about them at this time, I think you really can pull the trigger. Uh, not as much of a fan right now of Zach Ertz just because he isn't completely healthy. really don't even know if he's going to play week one at this point. At least from what I've seen, he was still questionable. So I would really kind of focus on the receivers, probably going to get some big numbers there. They're going to run the ball effectively like they always do. They've got three major running backs there. But I really like the receivers matchups going against 
the Atlanta defense. On the famine side of this, I really think you're going to see a fantasy famine in San Francisco's offense. I I just don't see how Jim Tomsula is going to be able to put together much of a good offense this year at all, almost in San Francisco. He does have Carlos Hyde. You still got Kaepernick who can do some things. But first-year coach, you you lost Greg Roman there going out to Buffalo uh, and go coach with Rex Ryan. I'm really kind of at a toss-up to see where they're – offense is going to go I I would hope they would actually feature their running backs a little bit more because really all you got it at wide receiver I mean you know you still have Anquan Bowl in there Vernon Davis I'm sure will try to step up and kind of rebound from a disappointing last season I, I just really don't see how other than if Hyde can really be that stable back like we saw he, he had the capability of in Ohio State we didn't really see it as much last year when he was behind Frank Gore and maybe if Reggie Bush can come back and kind of revitalize, you know, some of his prior success when he had with the with the Lions there, I, I really just don't see until they prove it on the field how I'll have any sort of faith in that offense, at least until they can prove it to me. I mean, showing up against in that divi- against the defenses in that division is going to be rough. I w- would really like to see them prove it in some out of it out of division opponents at first, but I will not trust them at one bit this year going against the likes of the Cardinals, the Rams, or Seattle this year. Now, before we get into the picks of the week, uh, we're going to try a little segment featuring some educational points throughout the year that some might see as more of like an appreciation to the game sort of deal, while others might think they're going to learn something new with what we're going to talk about in this segment uh, that they can watch for in the next upcoming couple of weeks. We'll call it the fan focus segment going forward. Uh, this week, I really want to highlight a play. It's one of my favorites called the fair catch kick. Uh, to those unfamiliar with what a fair catch kick is, also known to some as a free kick, it is essentially a field goal try and still worth three points that kind of looks like a kickoff because it's not actually allowed to be rushed and blocked. The kick can actually only be attempted the following play after a team calls for a fair catch on a punt or a kickoff. Um, the reason why this play is actually so rare is it, it's really only happened uh, 22 times in NFL history. And actually, the NCAA doesn't even allow this rule. So this is an NFL-only rule. Most fair catches actually ha- end up happening back in, in a team's own territory. So really you're never close enough to be able to attempt this kick when you're in your own territory because it'll end up being like a you know, 75-80 yard field goal. And nobody's really going to bother trying to attempt that even with um, how, the, how long the kickers can kick these days. The other main factor is going to be that this play really only occurs at the end of the half or at the end of the game. So what you're going to be looking for is if a team is backed up deep in their own territory and they do have to punt towards the end of the half, really be looking for a fair catch because then that's when the actual free kick or fair catch kick will occur. Uh, Usually it ends up being, usually they end up making the fair catch right around like the 45, 50-yard line or so. Ends up being like, you know, 60, 65-yard field goal in most cases. Uh, Definitely fun to watch. It's definitely a rarely used gem in the NFL rules. I mean, you really only see this, uh, again, only 22 times in the past, uh, actually in the history of the NFL. So only about five times in the past, you know, 20 years or so. So definitely be on the lookout for that. If that ever happens, you definitely just witnessed a very small piece of NFL history. Switching gears here back to our week one picks. Uh, here's going to my, my rundown for the actual winners of the game. Not, not against the spread, just a straight-up winner. And also the eliminator choice of the week as well. 
Starting off with the Thursday night game with the Steelers visiting the Patriots. It's it's tough for me. I'm going to have to say New England here. It's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think it's going to be. I A lot of people are calling you know New England possibly as an eliminator choice for the week because Steelers are without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, really, the Steelers' defense isn't anything to write home about at this time. And they, they, they don't get very many sacks. Their secondary is pretty unproven for the most part. The reason why I think it's going to be close and most people think it'll be is mostly because the Steelers still have a pretty good passing offense, even without Martavis Bryant and, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the screen game to D'Angelo Williams, he can still get out there and be fast like he always has been. I don't think he's going to be as much of a threat in the run game. Three Archer might see some time tonight. That'll be really interesting to see who, who they end up actually going with a little bit more often. I would assume it's going to be Williams, but it, we could see a decent amount of Archer tonight too. Uh, Antonio Brown should have his run on the Patriots defense. Remember, they lost four or five guys uh, for their top five cornerbacks from last year with Revis going back to the Jets. I, I just don't see how the Patriots secondary is going to be that good this year. At the same time, they always seem to find a way to figure it all out, put it all together. They're going to be a decent team. They're going to win some games that they probably shouldn't just because of their strategy, and they will end up doing pretty well. Moving on to Bills Colts over on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, you will see a little bit of my bias here, just because if it because I really think the defensive line is going to do well. Even though we won't have Darius, just got his big extension. Uh, he'll be out week one. I still think uh, Corbin Bryant is going to be pretty solid in his wake. It'll be very interesting to see how the Colts offensive line holds up. Andrew Luck is going to try to attack Ronald Darby. That's going to be a great matchup to watch over uh, over in that game. We're probably going to be rolling some safeties over to him at some point. As much as Rex Ryan will try to bluff that, he he's going to ha- he's going to have to do it. There there's no other way for us to just kind of leave him out on an island out there. Uh, I really think if this game were an away game for the Bills, I would have taken the Colts. I think that atmosphere is going to be great, especially with the first with the first week. I think everybody will show up and really uh, support that team well. So uh, I'm going to pick the Bills for week one again. Uh, Colts probably are going to be my AFC championship, uh, at least to the AFC championship, possibly the AFC champions this year. So uh, not a forecast for what's going to happen with the Colts. I still think they're going to be a great team this year. Uh, moving on to the Packers at the Bears. Uh, I'm definitely going to take Green Bay on this one. Uh the Bears' defense still has a ways to go in terms of getting back to what uh, the prominence that they used to have uh, in a couple years back. Elshon Jeffrey still isn't 100%. Really, you got Eddie Royal as your backup there. Not sure if Jeffrey's even going to play. I've heard he's going to be still about 50-50 this week. Even if Jeffrey does play, you're really going to still be relying a lot on Matt Forte to kind of carry that offense, especially with their screen game, which is always talented. They they always do pretty well with you know getting him the ball, especially in the passing game. He'll he'll combine for a pretty good fantasy total, I think. Still, at the same time, uh, I still just don't see the Bears being able to get through some of uh, through some deficiencies on defense. Where Aaron Rodgers probably going to take advantage of that even without Jordy Nelson playing. Uh, definitely looking to see 
what guys like Jeff Janis, Devontae Adams, uh, what they're going to be able to do. I, I, I know they just signed James Jones. I don't expect to see him playing that much, but you might see him early on because he knows the system pretty well. Uh, he should fit right back in just fine, probably as a fourth or a fifth receiver there. Uh, Ty Montgomery is actually still kind of a question mark there for me. I haven't really, I don't really know too much about him. I'd like to see how he ends up fitting into that offense. Uh, I know Devontae Adams is the number two there, but it'll, it'll be very interesting to see who gets more time at the th- uh, into the third slot, whether it's going to be Ty Montgomery or if Jeff Janis is going to step in and see what he does there. So definitely a big fantasy watch on that. Uh, Corliss still going to be the tight end there. Not a lot of people are going to pick up. Aaron Rodgers tight ends. I'm not sure exactly why. I just didn't really see him as a top fantasy option, at least in the drafts that I did. Very interested to see what will happen uh, from that position in Green Bay. And also you got Michael Bennett still playing there for the Bears. Uh, he, he's probably going to be one of the top targets for Jay Cutler, so I still see his, expect to see some production. Uh, still, once again, still going with Green Bay for the actual pick for that week, though. Uh, looking at Kansas City and Houston, I uh, definitely take the Chiefs in this one. I, I really think the Chiefs should be a pretty solid team this year. Uh, I really like Macklin's potential in Andy Reid's offense. I know they didn't score any touchdowns last year with Alex Smith throwing to receivers. Uh, I think that was more a lack of talent on the actual receiving core. Uh, Dwayne Bowes out of there. He went. He chipped down. Went to Cleveland. I, I think Macklin is a, naturally has the mo for working with Andy Reid's offense pretty well. He had some you know, pretty good years still in Philly there. Really think that Jamal Charles and Travis Kelsey are going to be able to take off in that offense as well. So I think they will be able to you know, kind of exploit some of, the, some of the secondary holes in the Texans' defense. Of course, you know, the Texans are trying to get after the quarterback, but the Chiefs are still going to run a pretty, uh, pretty base offense where hopefully they won't allow J.J. Watt and Clowney to get to them there. Uh, I think the te- Texans offense is probably going to struggle a little bit uh, there with Brian Hoyer. I'm not saying that they're going to be terrible. I mean, you still don't have Arian Foster there. Everybody's pretty high up on DeAndre Hopkins. He's, he's obviously a great talent. Uh, you can't deny that. He uh, Watching Hard Knocks, of course, everybody's going to you know kind of be keen on him. I think he got a little bit more of a burst from Hard Knocks. I think you'll see that you know year in and year out. The guys you end up watching on that show typically go... I would assume a little bit higher in fantasy drafts just based on you're seeing them in the press a little bit more. You want to draft the guys because you like them. It's understandable to see that happen every so often. But further than that, I mean, Alfred Blue, I mean, he's not, he's he's a pretty big guy. He's going to do okay running the ball there. I just don't see the production, obviously, as much as Foster usually would uh, in that potent running offense they usually have going on there. Blue will get you at least maybe you know, 60, 70 yards. I just don't see a lot of breakouts from Alfred Blue coming right away. Again, Chiefs are the pick there. Switching gears to Carolina at Jacksonville. As we talked about before, I'm a little bit more bullish still on the Jaguars in general, mostly because of Bortles. Uh, I am going to take the Jags in this one, not just because of how I feel about the Jaguars, but it's more of a sign actually of where the Panthers, I think, are going right this time. It's really tough when you lose that much production out of the wide receiver position with Calvin Benjamin. Really when Greg Olson is going to be your top target there. I know we had Devin Funchess there. I'm not sure how he's doing uh, health status-wise. But after that, you got really a lot of unproven guys. I know they caught a couple guys uh, that were slated to potentially play there. Uh, You're just really just running out of options. We already talked about how... 
how Jonathan Stewart can be in that offense. And, you know, if you're already starting to get one, you know, one misstep there and if he gets injured, because he does have naturally a pretty pretty big injury history there too, I can see that offense going pretty south pretty quick. Cam Newton's going to be able to still make some throws and try to keep them afloat for a while. we got to remember this this team didn't do that well in the, in the worst division in football last year. So I just don't see that big of a jump from here. I, I see, you know, the arrow kind of pointing down for the Panthers, at least at the beginning of the year. Whereas, you know, the Jaguars, really improvement. I, I just think we'll see a little bit more out of them than we're probably used to, at least for week one. At the same time, Allen Robinson, probably going to have a better fantasy year than he's probably going to get credit for. I mean, if you do expect the Jaguars to be down a little bit and they can actually have some arm talent, he, he did have a pretty decent fantasy year in his rookie year last year. Uh, he's still got Marquise Lee there. Got Julius Thomas coming off injury. Uh, probably right around week three or week four. They're going to have some weapons. Uh, I think they'll actually have a pretty decent shot. Rashad Green going to be in the slot there. It'll be interesting to see if he does get any sort of part in that offense. You already got a pretty decent amount of receivers they're looking at there. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Jameis is one of Jameis Winston's favorite targets from Florida State ends up playing out there in Jacksonville. In terms of the actual defense-wise, you always got to look at the Carolina Panthers' defense, defensive lineman Star Little Lele. He's going to look pretty good in this in this matchup. You got a Jaguars offensive line now coached by uh, one of my least favorite coaches in the league at this point, Doug Marone, their offensive line coach. The one thing that I think would really hinder Bortles' future would be that offensive line. Uh, we were watching. You know, some some of their offensive line play this year has already been terrible, even in the preseason. Very interesting to see if they can kind of hold up for the whole year and kind of stick it out. But uh, I think Carolina Carolina's defensive line is going to give them fits at least during this game. I still think that you know they'll try to be able to overcome and throw some uh, quick routes at them, get some pretty good yards after the catch. Uh, in terms of Jacksonville's defense, I mean, Pozlowski is always all over the place. Although I I will always say. Paul's probably going to be the guy that's, you know, still going to let up the completion, you know, five, you know, ten yards downfield, but he'll, he'll still make the tackle after. If there's one thing that he can do is make sure he's he's a pretty sure tackler no matter what, even if it is down the field a little bit. Looking at Cleveland and Cleveland Browns and New York Jets, we're in New York here for this one. I, I'm not really too crazy about either team for this year. I think the Jets definitely have more of an upside there. Uh, the talent they have on the, on the defense is still pretty strong. And even really offensively, they definitely got some decent receivers. You still got Decker there. You still got Brandon Marshall. I think Fitzpatrick starting there is going to be a lot better option than Geno Smith. Uh, you know that P- P- Fitzpatrick, what he's going to bring for you. He could very well get into the two, uh, high 200, 300-yard games for you. Uh, it's usually for him. It's when the mistakes will happen. If he can limit those, still get the ball to his playmakers there, they should be all right. I definitely think they're going to win this game at least. The the tight end position is a little bit of a question mark here. I know Jason Marrow's out for the year. They're on uh, their main tight end there. Not sure exactly what's going to come out of the run game for them. I, I know Chris Ivory looked pretty strong there. Uh, I believe Shane Breen's coming off of it coming off of an injury there as well, so that'll be kind of a platoon backfield, I feel like, when he gets back, but at least uh, Chris Ivory's going to be the guy to start there. Uh, we've had to bring Shaw Ferguson there for nine, ten years now, starting over on that left tackle spot. It's always nice to see when a guy can stay with one team for that long. You know, I've actually met him before down in Florida when we were down there for a trip one time, and it just seemed like an all-around nice guy. I'm really glad to see you know he's he's prospered in that offense. Jets are the pick here. I don't see much coming out of Cleveland Browns' offense. I mean, really, we don't even know as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. We really don't know who the Browns' running back's going to be until they actually line up and 
show up coming out of the tunnel and actually line up for the first snap. Coming out, Josh McCown at quarterback. If you're if you're ranking quarterbacks at this point, uh, Josh McCown's got to be in the bottom five of the 32. At this point, I just don't see the Cleveland Browns offense being too potent uh, with that Jets defense, especially with Revis back. He got Crow back. Those guys are going to probably eat the Cleveland Browns offense alive. I just don't see how the Cleveland Browns come out of this one. We've already talked a little bit about Seattle at St. Louis. I think you know pretty well that the Seattle is going to be the pick here. They definitely got a chip on the shoulder from last year. I, I They should have been the NFL champions if they would have just ran the ball. That's pretty much something everybody knows at this point. What I'm really interested to see here is all I've heard really so far out of this offseason from Jimmy Graham was more along the lines of how he you know, he's really working on his blocking, going to be more sort of the inline guy, and they're probably going to you know, stick with their run game. At the same time, I'm not buying that for a second. You get a Jimmy Graham on that offense where they really don't have a lot of top talent at wide receiver. They say they don't like to throw the ball as much. Uh, you're not about to pay Russell Wilson all that money and not throw the ball, especially when you have Jimmy Graham in the building. I, I just don't see how Jimmy Graham won't be getting up to you know, 10, 15 targets a game at times. Russell Wilson's going to have to throw to him because uh, I, I really like Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyler Lockett's potential there in that offense. He's uh, the rookie coming in there in Seattle, so they got him opposite Doug Baldwin. And Baldwin has had some mild success in that offense. He's their top guy, at least on the depth chart and everything. At the same time, he has also disappointed fantasy owners year in, year out. I've noticed he's been available late, usually even you know the deep late rounds. And it's kind of crazy for a Super Bowl champion to not have a fantasy receiver that that late. I know they do like to run the ball, obviously, with Lynch a lot. And I'm hopefully going to see some good things out of Fred Jackson. Uh, of course, you know we're going to miss him there in Buffalo. But I think that's really a good fit for him. Really hope he does well over there in Pete Carroll's offense. For the Rams' defense, they have one of the best defensive lines in football. Uh, their defense is going to be decent just based on that fact. You can get all the pressure up front. You see a lot of other teams, too, especially like down in Miami, uh, you know, with the Jets, with the Bills. You, you see their front their front seven. They, they really make up for a lot of the deficiencies in the secondary when you kind of get after the quarterback like that. And on very few teams are better than that than the St. Louis Rams. Would like to see a little bit more coming out of Nick Foles out of that offense. So hopefully they take some more shots down the field uh, with him there. Now that they hopefully will have a healthy quarterback there after Sam Bradford uh, was traded over to Philadelphia. I uh, do like Brian Quick. Maybe take some deep shots down the field with him. You got uh, Tavon Austin's going to try to take the top off some defenses. You will see it, uh, Todd Gurley at some point running the ball for them, which I think will be okay. I. Uh, once he comes back, you should see a bit more of a dynamic there than just Trey Mason. Yeah, the scary thing, I think, for that offense is you got to see them gel together first. Really got to see some actual progress until you really can write them in as having uh, anything above a bottom tier offense at this point. So, again, Seattle's the pick with that one. We're going uh, for Miami and the Redskins. Definitely going to pick Miami, and I've now picked every single AFC East team. That's I just think that's what's going on here. I really do think the Bills had the toughest test week one. Uh, so if I were to have to waver on any of the teams, it probably would be the Bills pick that I made. Uh, but if you want to take not Domkin Sue, Olivier Vernon, and Cameron Wake and put them against a Jay Gruden offense and flux at this point, I just think that has a recipe for absolute disaster for the Redskins. Uh, you never know. I mean, really, with Kirk, they they at least see some sort of 
uh, hope there. I mean, they kind of already knew what they were going to be getting with RG3. The offensive line could probably be playing a little bit better there. Uh, hopefully Trent Williams will stay healthy there for them this year. Uh, I really want to see Jay Gruden put together a true offensive game plan that can win some games this year with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he, he believes he's his guy. He thinks he fits into that system better. We'll see how that actually works out for him. With the Redskins' defense, I mean, they should still have a pretty good defensive front there. At the same time, Miami's offense this year should be pretty decent. they got Kenny Stills over there from New Orleans. Uh, Lamar Miller should have another decent season. Uh, he should be looking at right around 100, I'm sorry, 1,000 yards rushing, possibly for the total for this year. I uh, like Tannehill. He's probably going to put up some big numbers. He's I, I think he was probably a late sleeper uh, for a fantasy quarterback. I picked him up in a couple leagues just because – the total volume he'll end up getting is always uh, something to watch. He was actually one of the top fantasy quarterbacks last year, so look for another repeat year for that um, on that front as well. I think Miami should be right around right around 500, possibly over. If there's anybody else that's going to contend at this point with the Patriots for the division, I uh, really actually uh, I can't even say it's just going to be Miami. I, I really think the Bills have the shot to make the playoffs again this year. Can't really count the Jets out until you see how Fitzpatrick responds into Chan Gailey's offense again. Uh, they're definitely going to. I think the Jets had the biggest task in that division to climb that ladder. But I really could see any one of those teams taking it at this point uh, with the deficiencies in New England secondary. So we'll see what happens with all that. But again, uh, Miami's the pick here. Saints at the Cardinals. Uh, I'm taking Arizona. At this is really a completely different Arizona Cardinals team when Carson Palmer's at the helm. I, I really think they can still not only contend in the NFC, they have a chance of winning it if they can just stay healthy for the whole year. If you look at all the talent there, Larry Fitzgerald, one of the best pass catchers uh, of this generation. He he can really. Still, I think he still can put a pretty big contribution on there. I think Michael Floyd at some point will take over as the number one receiver there. Uh, I just think at, at this point, you know, you're really getting Larry's going to get a definitely showing some age of this on there right now. But we also will have John Brown uh, was taken off the top of the defenses every so often too. When anytime you got Andre Ellington uh, showing off his speed, you got him in the screen game, him running the ball. Uh, that's going to be very interesting to see how they all come together this year. Not to say, not to be too much of a write-off on New Orleans. I think New Orleans still will have some pretty big games this year. Uh, I mean, we talked about a Drew Brees a little bit uh, earlier. I mean, he's my prediction for under 225 yards and only one touchdown at this time. Uh, it's not to say that they won't have production out of Brandon Cooks. I really think Brandon Cooks will still produce in a fantasy setting regardless. You know, if he does get one touchdown, I believe it probably will be to Cooks, and Cooks will still probably get over 100 yards, uh, mostly because he's almost the only option they have. I think they should probably struggle uh, on the road in Arizona at this time because Arizona's defense still looks pretty solid. They put up the most fantasy points last year for uh, defense special teams. I Really, they haven't been projected to kind of repeat that at this time uh, i still don't think it's going to be a big drop off people think that's going to be for arizona um so we'll see how carson palmer can attack that saints defense uh, and see what they can do with all those weapons there okay looking at the lions and chargers uh this is a really tough game to call for me i uh, I've, I've always been a big fan of philip rivers and especially his matchup against the against detroit secondary the only thing is with san diego's pass defense i i like how they match up with the Lions to a fault. I mean, I really think that they're going to have one of the better pass defense uh, pass defense 
units of the AFC this year. It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out, how they're going to be able to handle both Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate. Uh, I really think going forward, I I think Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate will have a great year with Stafford. We should see uh, maybe some Amir, Amir Abdullah. He kind of wowed everybody in the preseason. I really liked how the um, how Detroit ran the ball in, in the preseason, but I'll still take this one for San Diego. Uh, I just think that at this time to see how Philip Rivers really uses his new uh, his new receiver in Stevie Johnson along with Malcolm Floyd. I uh, still got Keenan Allen there. There's just a lot of weapons. E- even Ladarius Green. We'll see if he actually plays out uh, with the first four games this year as the main tight end while Antonio Gates on suspension. I uh, probably going to run some two tight end sets once they get back. I want to see if Green will actually end up coming out to be uh, the player everybody thinks he was going to be for the past couple seasons now. With the Ravens and Broncos, uh, Ravens are going to be visiting Denver. I'm taking Denver here. It's regular season Joe Flacco on the road against a pretty good defense that will now have Von Miller as well. I, I really think that Steve Smith is going to have a couple good games this year. Um, it's his last year before he retires. He's already announced that. He's one of the most fun players to watch uh, when he was at Carolina for the longest time. Yeah, I love the fire he always brings to it, and he's definitely going to go out with a bang. But uh, I really think Denver takes this one. Payne's going to start off the year there. Uh, with a pretty decent game against uh, Baltimore secondary. We'll see uh, what actually ends up playing out out there in Colorado. Looking on to Cincinnati and Oakland. Uh, the Bengals are actually my go- going to be my eliminator pick for this week. Not so much that I trust Andy Dalton. I, it's still, I think it's a bit of a risk for an eliminator pick. Uh, the Bengals aren't the top team. They, they really don't, I don't believe they have a percentage over 70, 70% at least at this time for what's scheduled out for the rest of the year in terms of uh, win percentage for the rest of the year. So it should be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, I don't really like Dalton on the West Coast in a later game. Doesn't sound great at the same time. With the Raiders, uh, they have picked up some more talent. They Drafting Amari Cooper is always a good thing. David Carr has been developing pretty well uh, as much as they really could have hoped out there. And year two of Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's just an absolute stud out there. He's going to be the centerpiece of that defense for a long time to come. I still just don't think that they're quite ready to be able to jump over that hump. And the Bengals are still, yeah, the Bengals were still over uh, over nine wins a year ago. So you know, you're putting that up against a team that you know had no more than you know four or five wins a year ago. I would really like to see uh, the Bengals, you know, have their defense step up and have A.J. Green and Giovanni Bernard along with Jeremy Hill all probably be a little bit too much for the Oakland Raiders defense at this time. I'll definitely stick with the Bengals for the eliminator pick. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this is kind of a toss-up just because you're, you're really getting two kind of bottom-of-the-barrel teams, and you can see this throughout the matchups for this week. There weren't really, especially with the eliminator pick status, you really don't have a clear-cut option as to what, what route you'd want to take. There are a couple different ways you can go with this. So the route that I had took um, for Cincinnati, I still would think that's a, a the smart pick to make uh, at the same time uh, in terms of this game for the Bucks and Titans. I'm going to go with the Bucks uh, naturally with the battle of the rookie quarterbacks. I've always thought Jameis was a better better pro passer, pro QB style over Mariota. His pure passing talent is just simply better. Mariota will be able to provide some some rushing with his legs. I uh, he's going to have to run a little bit because neither offensive line in this game is going to be you know really that great. Tennessee just had to trade Andrew Levitra to the Falcons and they were really going to use him as a backup anyway. So 
I'm really not seeing, you know, a lot of stellar play on either one of these teams uh, going forward. At the same time, I do like uh, the way Doug Martin ran the ball in the preseason. Hopefully he comes back to his original rookie year form. Uh, I think he'll actually end up being the difference in this particular game, which is why I'm going for the Bucks for this one. Uh, switching to the Giants and Cowboys. At this time right now, I... We're seeing a lot of people uh, drafting both Eldell Beckham and Eli Manning pretty high. I'm still actually going to take Dallas in this particular game. I, I don't think it matters for Dallas who the starter at running back is going to be. Uh, I've heard Joe Randall. I've heard by committee. That'll be interesting to see if any one of these guys uh, really end up producing down there in Dallas. At the same time, behind that offensive line, you probably could. I, I just don't really think that the Giants are going to have enough to overcome uh, that Dallas offense at this point. Really with Dez, with Terrence Williams, you still got Jason Wynn to account for. Uh, Tony Romo's uh, is really, un- I really feel he's underrated as a quarterback. A lot of the time he's the one who gets them to those clutch situations. Not a clutch situation, really week one coming in here, even though it is going to be in prime time. I uh, think he's going to be able to pull this one out there. Odell Beckham still, uh, he's going to get a lot more attention from defenses this year. I don't think he quite keeps up that torrid pace that he did last year. Teams will start to adjust. Uh, naturally, he's going to roll a lot more safeties over to him, try to shut him down in different ways. So it should open up the field at least a little bit more for Eli. I don't think Eli is going to have as rough a year um, as he did last year, especially with, you know, to be hopefully staying healthy throughout the year this time. Uh, should open up some offense for Larry Donnell. Uh, I believe Rashard Jennings is going to be the running back down there. They still got Andre Williams as the running back uh, as the backup running back out of Boston College. It'll be very interesting to see what ends up happening out of that running back situation throughout the year. I'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, watch the waiver wire if uh, either one of those two go down. Probably see a larger workload for either one of those two if one of them gets hurt. Uh, very interesting to see as well if uh, if and when Jason Pierre-Paul comes back after a fireworks incident in the offseason. I just don't see why you, you're messing with fireworks. We actually had another guy from the Bucs. I don't remember his name. He was a rookie, but he ended up having to retire because of it. I, a lot of this offseason stuff, I, I, you have to understand, yes, they do have their own personal lives. They can really do what they want. Uh, at the same time, when you're getting paid that much money, to do something that you know you really are supposed to have a passion about and love, why would you risk that and be messed around with things like that in the offseason? Pay somebody to do that for you. I'm sure you can have somebody, you know, one of your friends, be taking care of those festivities. Very interesting to see how many fingers he comes back with and see if he actually ends up going to be ending up making a difference for that Giants defensive line. I'm moving on to Philly at Atlanta. We've talked about this at least with the wide receiver matchups against the Atlanta defense. I really think the Eagles' defense should keep the Atlanta run game at bay. Atlanta's going to have some success passing the ball there with Julio Jones and Roddy White. They really still think that, you know, they, they did struggle enough in their division last year. Again, can't stress it enough. Anytime you can't even get more than seven wins out of a out of the division for your division winner, you can't really say too much about the rest of the teams that are actually in that division. So uh, I think the Eagles really step up. Uh, and and take this one pretty easily. Hopefully Sam Bradford stay healthy for them. You know, they're going to be able to run the ball with, you know, DeMarco Murray. You're going to be switching out Ryan Matthews. You still got Darren Sproles there. That, that's probably the best combo of three running backs in the entire league, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you're really going you know, a full one, two, three workload on the depth chart, I, I don't see how anybody beats that. And as much as Chip Kelly, you always hear about their hurry up, they still like to run the ball. So, 
Whereas I think you're going to get some good matchups still out of the uh, Eagles receivers. Uh, you're still going to get some pretty good production out of uh, one of the running backs there. That's the only thing. Fantasy-wise, you really got a lot of those guys rated pretty high. At the same time, who knows how that workload's going to be split. Will you see DeMarco Murray really getting 20, 25 carries out of there, especially with Ryan Matthews and Sproles back there? I'm not sure if you're really going to get as much of a workload as you would like drafting them that high. Uh, So I'd be a little bit wary. Just uh, wait to see how that kind of plays out before you really go all gung-ho on either Matthews or Sproles at this point. Uh, Zach Ertz, still a question mark to see if he's going to play uh, this week, at least from what I was reading so far. Uh, he was a little bit disappointing for considering how high he was drafted uh, last year in terms of what people thought they were going to get out of him instead of having Brent Selleck there at tight end position. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to have a breakout season and step up uh, for them down uh, there in Philly. Uh, we already talked a little bit as well, last game on the docket for Vikings at the Niners. Vikings are definitely going to be the pick. Uh, I really feel strongly about the Vikings being able to have a pretty good season this year. Uh, San Francisco going the exact opposite way. I'm not sure if they have anybody left to play defense over there in San Francisco. I'm mean, losing all those guys to retirement. They do, they do still have Navarro Bowman. He's going to hold down the fort at least. He's going to do whatever he can. Uh, he, he is a absolutely great Pro Bowl, ta- Pro Bowl talent. I'm just not sure if the guys around are going to be able to help float the ship enough. I uh, got Eric Reed over there who still will help out the secondary a bit. It's just... When you have all that turnover, when you go to a new system, you got a first-time head coach coming in. Uh, it's going to be a really, really tough obstacle uh, obstacle to overcome. I really like the Vikings' defense this year, especially with Anthony Barr. He he's going to do some good things uh, over there for the Vikings. You still got Adrian Peterson back now for the Vikings. Uh, you know they they got the they got the talent. They I think they really kind of make a push for the playoffs this year. Uh, we'll see how Charles Johnson does in that offense. Uh, still looking at. Uh, Mike Wallace up there for the Vikings too, so you know Bridgewater's gonna have some options. I think he's he's gonna be a guy you might be looking at on the waiver wire if nobody actually picked him up on your fantasy draft, where he could end up getting you some pretty decent points, especially if they're not just running the ball with Peterson. If you know he can develop his arm talent a little bit more, run some more screens, uh, you get a lot more fantasy points towards Teddy. Uh, you probably see them right around like nine or ten wins this year. So overall, that about wraps it up, at least in terms of the picks for us course don't be afraid to hit me up on twitter the handle will be jg sportscast again jg sportscast also do the same jg sportscast at gmail.com for any emails as well thank you so much for tuning in hope to see you next week
hopefully like to add some uh, you know questions for me for next week uh, we'll be able to add that into it a separate segment uh, for some questions anybody might have uh, yeah again thank you for listening I really appreciate you tuning in and hopefully see you again next week we'll see you then